Heyo, and welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 69 of the podcast. And we are back here today, guys, and I am very excited to be uh, finishing out our rap planning series. Uh, this has been uh, quite enjoyable for me. Uh, I hope it has been for you, too, to uh, work on this series uh, and do the rap plan myself and talk about it and hopefully give you guys tips on how to better complete it for yourself and uh, sort of anticipate some of the things that might come up when you uh, when you are working on this. So if you are new to this, again, Wellness Recovery Action Plan, that's what RAP stands for. And up until now, we have worked on uh, the first four parts, which you can see by downloading uh, the last four episodes. So 68, 67, 66, and 65. Um, And today we are going to be talking about uh, a few of these sections at the end of the plan. And I'll talk about how it was, how I would approach this and sort of give a uh, scenario in which... uh, is sort of going on for me. I'll give you a quick update on what's going on with me. But try and really mainly focus on the document. So let's get right into it. Uh, so we have a few different parts we're going to be tackling today in part five. Uh, just to give you an overview, there are a few sections here. So there's the academic crisis planning section, which is the one we're going to focus on today. And then uh, there's a signature page, which I'll touch on briefly, just give you some, some tips and some... Uh, feedback that I have on that. And then there's a post-crisis planning uh, document that I will touch on as well. Uh, And then resuming responsibilities is the last part, but I really won't uh, touch on that too much. I'll just give you an overview of what it is. So let's get into the academic crisis planning document. This is a document that talks about how to plan a crisis before it's going to happen. Uh, So I'm just going to read the paragraph here and then uh, give you my thoughts. So it says, in spite of your best planning and assertive action, you may find yourself in a crisis situation where others will need to take over responsibility for some of your decisions. You may feel as though you are totally out of control. Your crisis plan will instruct others about how to care for you when you are not well and how to assist you stay connected to school during these times keeps you in control even when it seems like things are out of control others will know what to do instead of questioning what your supporter should do the plan will help save everyone time and frustration while ensuring that your needs will be met this is to help you with your academic situation you can make another plan for your other areas in your life okay so i'm glad they give that explanation you know they're not trying to say uh you know Mary Ellen Copeland, who uh, worked on creating the uh, rap, the original rap plan, and people that have followed since, and Michelle, who has adapted this for uh, college students. This document, by the way, is available uh, if you check the first three, the last, the first three episodes in this series. So 65, 66, and 67, they have a working link to the PDF that you can download and print it up and you can complete your very own academic wellness rap plan Uh, so i'm glad they give this description because uh you know it's 
it might seem a little self-defeating to be kind of planning out your demise. Um, but the fact of the matter is, as we have talked about and as you've heard, because it's kind of cliche by now, um, without, you know, you can't have relapse, you can't have recovery without, you know, some relapses along the way. It's very rare. Uh, I guess it does happen. But um, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, long-term physical ailments, uh, substance abuse, or, you know, mental health issues, um, there's always going to be some kind of relapse. And the more prepared you can be to tackle that, the better, right? So the beginning parts of this document are good even when there is no crisis, right? Being able to identify your wellness tools, like that's great just to keep up your ongoing daily maintenance and having a wellness plan of helpful habits and routines is really helpful even when things aren't going bad, right? And we should assume most of the time, hopefully, right, things are going to go pretty okay. Um, Still, the, the part three, the triggers, was helpful to know because you can't avoid triggers, you know, even when things are going well. The best you can do is be able to identify them and use the coping strategies to kind of shrug them off and not let them become bigger deals, right? Not let them lead you down the road to relapse. Um, but we talked last week about, you know, what to do when that happens, when things are getting, break, when things break down and when things get worse. Um, so these sections are the ones that sort of like presuppose that some kind of crisis will happen. And for many of us, it will. Um, and it's almost cosmic how I've had my own crisis sort of come along and uh, happen right at a time when I've been doing this rap plan because, uh, as I've advised people, I completed the beginning part when things were going well. Uh, I've uh, been creating the crisis planning portions, this, these latter sections, sort of on the fly because I did not expect that things would not turn south so fast and, uh, and thought I would be well. And that is just a lesson to everyone to say, um, don't put it off because you don't know when things are going to break down. You don't know when you're going to experience those triggers. Uh, so the, the creators aren't saying like, well, you know, you know, you're going to have a crisis. So, uh, you know, better not even plan for it. They're saying you should plan for it. And here's a tool and here's sort of a description of how to plan for it. So even though the beginning sections, maybe you were motivated in the beginning to complete them and you've sort of fallen off, right? I'm sure it's happened to a few of you out there. That's okay. Uh, I hope you got something out of the sections that you did complete. And I think the the beginning sections are sort of the most important ones in a sense. Um, But again, in spite of your best planning, uh, you're going to find yourself in a crisis sometimes, uh, hopefully not too often. So what is your plan? right? Here's an example plan. Uh, If I'm in crisis, my supporters need to assist me and follow me and follow the basic academic crisis plan. So this example, they want Jimmy, the person who knows me best and always knows when I am too sick to manage my own decisions, to contact Layla, my supported education practitioner at Learn, to notify her that I cannot attend school. And again, for those that are new, Learn is a supported education program Uh, Support education is a service that may not be available to probably most people out there. So you could substitute in there, you know, therapist, uh, best friend, uh, 
you know, whoever would be designated for you to help as sort of a liaison between you and your school. You know, um, I've had students, it's not really advisable to have a, a parent or somebody else reach out on your behalf, but I have had it happen. Um, and I can only assume that when it does happen that the person really physically isn't able to contact me themselves. Uh, and the, it does happen. Um, you should, I would say, if at all possible, attempt to you know be that connection yourself, but it's never a bad idea to have a backup person that can sort of serve, you know, it's, that's better than not reaching out at all. You know, I'll say that from the teacher's perspective. So think about who you'd want to have contact the school if you are, are unable to. You know, these are the type of crises that they're talking about here. You may have minor ones along the way that you could solve just by implementing your wellness tools. So after that, they have Layla, who is the counselor, calling disability services to arrange for additional missed classes due to illness if it is during the semester then Layla to provide disability services with enough info to be able to help arrange special circumstances for me to extend deadlines for my schoolwork if necessary if I become sick uh, I, Layla should arrange disability services for uh, taking it incomplete yeah that's pretty detailed and it really does sort of take care of a lot of the key issues that students would probably neglect if they hadn't thought ahead to plan, right? Um, you can't foresee what's going to happen to you over the course of the semester. You know, that's why we advise people uh, in the disability world to register with the disability service office uh, as soon as possible, like during the beginning of the semester. Um, because you never know when things are going to break down. Even if you don't think you, you may not even need the service, it's never a bad idea because, yes, you can register later, um, but it's uh, a lot more uh, troublesome, I will say. And again, think about it. When you'd be registering later, that would be implying things were going bad, and who needs the stress of now having to figure out and navigate that system at that point? Wouldn't it be easier to do it in the beginning when you're navigating a lot of those beginning systems and... It's just natural to kind of like do those things in the beginning of the semester anyway. So you can't really make this plan too specific because you can't you can uh, forecast you know what kind of specific crisis is going to happen to you. Yeah, maybe it involves a hospitalization. Maybe it doesn't. Um, maybe the crisis is going to involve somebody else and you are able to communicate but you just your time is taken away so it's really got to be like who's going to hit you know who's going to be my point people uh is going to be a lot of this and it's going to vary semester to semester you know uh depending on the type of classes you're taking depend on you know what your situation is you know at home with your family friends significant others so that's why it's good to sort of update this from time to time as you see fit so I, I jotted down a few notes about my plan, you know. Um, so because this is sort of happening to me in the, in the middle of a semester, you know, this is going to happen to students, right? They are diagnosed, so to speak, um, before the beginning of the semester, before it's like, quote, unquote, convenient, based on what I just said about a minute ago. 
uh, you know, I was like, you know, register early. It's a good idea. You never know when you might need them. Well, sometimes you don't know that you even have a disability, <laughs> in which case you really can't register for disability services unless you have one. So that's kind of where, where I was at. So like my plan is actually to register with the office because I didn't have a disability going into this. Um, speak with professor about an incomplete. Not that I'm definitely going to take one, but just raise it as something that I, I might need. Uh, and kind of see what the instructor's reaction is going to be to it. Um, depending on your school, this could be a very annoying process, or it could be fairly easy. I think it kind of depends, too, like undergrad versus grad school as well. So also included in my plan is to continue to attend as much as possible. My goal is not to take an incomplete. Um you know, continue to attend, arrange with a friend to get notes of missed classes. So there might be times where I can attend, but I won't be able to actually take notes because of, you know, a disability. So I'm going to make sure that somebody is able to send me their notes. And uh, that shouldn't be too big of an issue. Make up work from the incomplete as soon as possible. So if I do end up having to take one, don't let it stick around. Um, to get incomplete back in undergrad no it was grad school but it was so many years ago um and i didn't realize when i that was the first time it ever happened but you like at the time we had like up to a year or something to make up the work and i didn't take that much but like i know it like tempted me when i heard that to be like oh i don't have to do this right away <laughs> uh famous last words um I got it done, but I probably would have got it done faster had I not known I had the cushion of a year. And I think, believe, in my school, it has since tightened since that time years ago. I don't think they give you a year. I think it's like more like a semester now. Um, and appoint my wife as my point person in assisting with managing affairs. And she's been a huge, huge support for me during this time, even as she's been going through her own sort of uh, temporary setbacks has been a really big help to me. So that's sort of like what I would consider my academic crisis plan as it relates to school and sort of work as a, as a um, overlap. But as it says here, uh, this plan is to help with your academic situation. You can make another plan for your other areas in life. And they have these wrap plans for work and they have like a general wrap plan just for overall mental health. Um, for me, this works in terms of sort of tackling school and work, uh, at simultaneously because I work in the department that I attend, you know, school in. So, so many of the things are very, um, overlapping. Um, okay. So that is the academic crisis plan. Hopefully I helped kind of identify some of the areas that you want to hit and what your general approach would be in terms of. You want it to be specific in terms of who's going to help you with what, um, but it can't be so specific because you can't anticipate the exact nature of the uh, academic crisis you potentially will experience. Uh, you could sort of gear this towards the ones that you may suspect you're more prone to, um, but that's really the best you can do. Okay, so now after that on page nine is a signature page and so this is pretty straightforward i'm not going to spend a lot of time on it 
But and as with any kind of like document that, you know, could be considered legal in certain circumstances. Think about it. You're in a hospital. This may need to be enforced. You may not be you may be incapacitated. So you want to sign this thing. It says note at the top. Any plan with more recent date supersedes this one. Okay, that makes sense, right? So if you ended up creating a newer plan uh, with, uh, you know, a year after this, that plan would be in effect that it would uh, immediately take uh, precedent over the, the less recent plan. And then it says I, and it has a place for you to put your name, develop this plan on, gave you a date. Uh, you can put the date that you finished it. That's fine. Uh, I developed this plan with the help of the following people. So it's got room for five names. So why do you think they have that? You know, that's not normally in a binding document, last page signature type of thing. They do have a place for you to sign and date. That's typical, right? And they even have a spot for witnesses. That's, you know, typical for higher level legal documentation, right? And this one even has a spot for your attorney to sign. And I'll get into that in a second. But I want to get back to it. So why does it have these room for five people? Um, so I'm not exactly positive, but I'll speculate. Um, it partially is because for accountability reasons. So you naming them uh, really increases the stakes for them to know, like, this is important. Like, this isn't just like... Well, uh, I half-ass uh, agreed with you to do this one day, uh, but really wasn't thinking about the ramifications when I agreed. You know, this is some serious shit. Um, and for, you know, the the plan to have teeth, so to speak, legal teeth, I think just kind of naming people really emphasizes, like, this is not something I just did, like, in five minutes by myself one day. Like, this took real thought and work and um, you can at least verify, you won't be able to verify, you know, unless you gave permission, that people, the nature of the details of how they helped, but they might be able to say in a pinch, like, yeah, this was legit. I sat down and helped this person complete this, and I know my role uh, should uh, the person experience crisis. So having it's, I think, an accountability thing and sort of like just like a legal help backup thing. And that's why the witnesses you know, uh, signatures exist as well. Uh, so some tips on the legality. So as I mentioned, there's a spot for your attorney to sign. And so that sort of begs the question, like, do I need an attorney to review this? And the answer is no. You know, this could be a just, uh, just for you kind of document. And that's fine. Uh, just to be shared with, with the support people, your attorney may not qualify for you in that case as a support person. But if there's any kind of question about your uh, your will being carried through in a time when you're uh, unable to direct it yourself, I would advise you do maybe get uh, an attorney to sign this uh, or review it, if one, especially if one is available to you. Um, and there's some other things you can do. So getting it notarized would increase the you know legal the about. How much legally bound it is, and uh, the less of being less of a chance of it being contested in court as not being a legal document. So, if you know a notary, they could probably help you out. If you don't, it's very cheap to get something notarized, and that really just means that somebody will who is registered with the state that you live in uh, puts a stamp on it, 
uh, and basically says, like, I saw this person sign this document. So a key with this is don't sign the document until you go to the notary. There's a spot for you to sign. If you bring it to the notary and it's already signed, they can't notarize anything. So you need to sign it in front of them, and then they sign and stamp saying, like, I saw this and I'm legit because I'm a notary. Yo, my, mom's a, my mom is a notary. So if you go to St. John's Lutheran Church, uh, shout out to my mom. You can get it. She'd probably notarize it for you. Um, a rap plan is sort of like an advanced directive. That's another term. I don't know if I'd ever brought that up, uh, which is more of a medical document, but it does essentially the same thing as these rap plans do for mental health, uh, as this would do for physical health. And I think they are... You know, they've been around a lot longer. They have, uh, again, more of a legal um, standing in the medical community. So if you're interested in that, you know, what you would do is go to, you would Google your state and uh, advanced directive, you know, New Jersey advanced directive. Now, the advanced directives, from my limited amount of research, again, I normally dig into this stuff more for you guys, but my uh, temporary setback has got me uh, unable to do that. A lot of this is just on the fly next couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of what I read, or the little bit that I read, showed that the advanced directives, the way that they're handled, are under your, uh, your state attorney general's office. Um, so what I had learned in community mental health practice, at least in New Jersey, was that you know, you can file an advanced directive with your state attorney general to sort of make it official like this is in effect, you know. And the, the advanced directive would be sort of similar but related to medical emergencies. So it really wouldn't be have a wellness focus like ours does. It's not going to have you list out, you know, the healthy things you do to maintain your physical health and stuff. It's going to be more like if I'm in able to make a decision due to, you know, being incapacitated. This is the person that's going to make medical decisions for me. This is the hospital that I prefer to go to. These are the meds that I would prefer to be prescribed in this case or don't want to be prescribed in, in this case. Um, it's much more of a clinical nature than like a wellness and rehabilitation document. And the, it would be filed and uh, interpreted and enforced by your attorney general of your state. So I had heard that you can have these wrap plans. You can file these with your attorney general as well. Don't quote me on that. Uh, that might Your mileage may vary uh, depending on your state or maybe I was given some bad info. But it would seem logical, right, uh, in terms of this being an, a legal document. At the bottom, there's a, a box that says, Having two persons witness this plan will further make sure that your crisis plan will be followed. It will also further increase its potential for use if you appoint and name a durable power of attorney. So that's the last point uh, I wanted to note on the signature page. Power of attorney uh, can make decisions on your behalf. Um, so that's sort of an extra layer of protection. So spent a lot of time on the signature page more than I expected to, but that's some important legalese. Hopefully I was able to interpret for you and break down a little bit, make it easier to understand. Okay, now let's touch on the post-crisis planning. So this is pages 11 and 12 of the document. And let me read the paragraph at the top. The time when you are healing from a crisis can be very important. 
Although you feel ready to begin taking care of yourself again, you may still be dealing with the difficult symptoms as well as the aftermath of the crisis. You may find that you start feeling worse, like you are headed for another crisis. Thinking about this time before you even have a crisis, perhaps is giving it more attention when you are starting to feel better after a crisis, may help you have an easier time recovering and moving on. After you've been in a crisis and have been out of school for some time, you may have to carefully consider if, when, and how you will return to school. The following are questions you may need to ask yourself. All right. So this is a, a crisis of a fairly serious nature, right? This is like leaving school type of crisis. And your definition of crisis may be less than that, you know. Um, yours might be focused on like, you know, what would happen if or planning for um, not doing well in one class, right? And failing, you know, being in danger of failing a class. Like for some people, that could precipitate a crisis, you know, in terms of it bringing on symptoms. Um, but you may not necessarily be worried about ending up in a hospital or missing school. And okay, you know, so we need to be able to ratchet the, you know, the, uh, applicable crisis level up or down based on, you know, sort of where you're at, what you've experienced in the past, and sort of like, you know yourself best, right? You're going to know what, you know, you're, you're most likely it is going to happen should you experience a crisis, although nobody can predict anything for sure. But these are some questions you may just want to ask yourself when things are going well, but definitely, you know, in the uh, initial aftermath. So what role did school play in causing the crisis? All right. So these are some of the easier questions in the beginning, less serious ones that apply to, could apply to sort of all crises. The ones at the end apply specifically to the more serious ones. And you'll know by the nature of the question. So what role did school play? So for me, just thinking off the top of my head, uh, it played fairly little of a role. Um, I injured myself, you know, in a, in a sporting activity, um, and the repetitive injury leading up did not really relate to school. Um, I don't have a ton of work on my computer, especially this semester, done uh, for class. It's a lot of it is reading textbooks, taking notes on paper. All our exams are done on paper. So uh, we have an oral presentation. It's been very fortunate for me. So school has not been a potentially bigger as big an issue related to my crisis as it could have been. Uh, is there something about how I approach school that I need to change? If it did play more of a role, that's something I would really need to address. Like, are there going to be accommodations? And I don't mean that strictly in the disability office of your college sense. I just mean in, in general in life. Like, are you going to have to make lifestyle changes? And those are the types of things I'm considering right now in terms of, like, making my the way I work more ergonomic. Uh, in every way possible, you know, so not only like from, you know, my typing, but also, you know, how I write, how I drive, how I just sit, relax, how I sleep, you know, these are all the things I'm considering. Um, so what are some of the longer term things or the, the things that are more under the surface, I think, relate to that question of, is there something about how I approach school that I need to change? 
Question three, do I need to talk to my counselor or therapist or whomever to negotiate some changes in how I approach school? If so, what changes would help? So these are tough questions you may not be able to answer on your own completely, in which case it's perfectly great to bring in outside supports, especially professional ones that do this for a living, uh, to help and guide and suggest things and advise and mentor and do all that great shit, right? Uh, question four, do I need to take fewer courses? All right, so now we're getting into the more serious questions. Uh, if so, how many courses can I take? All right, pretty straightforward. How about number five? Do I need to think about another major? If so, what other majors spark my interest? Um, sometimes I think people get down on themselves for switching majors too frequently. Um, and I think if it's something that mirrors a, a larger pattern in your life, like you're just generally indecisive uh, to a fault, uh, yeah, that could be a problem, in which case this advice probably wouldn't apply. But I think for, for people that are generally, you know, have their shit together when it comes to, like, being able to make a decision, stick with it, um, and find themselves in the situation about thinking about switching, especially if they switched before. Uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day that said they switched majors 10 times. <laughs> and I was like, wow, and only finished a year later. Um so that might be something, you know, there's sort of a, a negative connotation with like, oh, you, you know, you're changing your major, like you don't know what the hell you want. Um, but you now know what you don't want, you know, uh, and that is uh, something that can be very important information to know. So, you know, think about this, you know, especially if the problems that you have are relating to school, if you're answering that question in the, in the positive and they're directly related to your, you know, interest level like you hate what you're studying that would be a problem uh question number six. Oh, my dog popped in to say hi if you can hear that uh should i look at going to another school would another school be a better fit for me if so how i should had i proceed okay again ratcheting it up the seriousness level uh once more and i'll, I'll just read the last question to show you you know where it could go should i take a leave of absence from school if so how should i proceed you know, if the situations that you're dealing with in terms of your crisis are to the nature of, you know, life-threatening, um, school is not the priority for you now. And that's totally fucking fine. All right? Take it from Derek, <laughs> uh, whose opinion may not matter much to anyone else, but, you know, that's okay. Um, it's not there for me, but, you know, I guess God bless me. Uh, and things are hopefully you know, on the up and up. Um, but I would not hesitate if they were, or especially if it was something, uh, uh, life-threatening for a family member, uh, I wouldn't hesitate. School's just not important in that case. So that's another thing to mention is that these crisis plans are geared for yourself. Um, but if a person that is close to you, you know, a significant other or, uh, a sibling or a parent experiences a, crisis that they are unable to manage that now you have to manage uh, that's another time to consider invoking some of the things outlined in this plan uh, so those are some questions to ask sort of in the immediate aftermath or you know think about ahead of time um, in terms of if you know that the nature of the crisis 
And then the last part that I'll just touch on briefly is post-crisis responsibilities. Uh, I'm sorry, post-crisis planning, resuming responsibilities. It's important to develop plans for resuming responsibilities that others may have had to take over or that did not get done while you were having a hard time. So I'm going to have a few of these with my crisis. So this is just sort of a form document and it has like responsibility. So you sort of list, you know, what was the thing that I normally do that I, that I wasn't able to do. So for me, it might be like, this is again a work related one, but it's like grading assignments. Uh, who has been doing this for me? It might be another instructor <laughs> for some of them. It might be nobody for other ones at this point. Uh, so that answer might be nobody, and that's okay. You know, it's just something that you couldn't get done and maybe wasn't the, the super high priority things that you uh, appointed somebody to do for you. And then while I'm resuming this responsibility, I need to. And then there's a few lines. Uh, so example, do everything on my daily wellness plan. Ask my spouse or partner to continue to doing the household chores. Ask a friend to take notes for me in class. Huh, I wasn't even looking at that when I noted uh, that in my plan a couple pages back. This is page 13 and 14, by the way. And it's just that format over and over. So for each responsibility, you know, it has a place for you to list it. And then note who's been doing it. And it's again, possibly nobody. But if it's somebody else, it's like, okay, they're going to help me until this date that I'm going to resume it. Might be something you put down there. Um, or if it's, you know, just something I need to make a phone call. Uh, you know, there could be a lot of different things that you put here. So again, this is after the crisis happens. So you wouldn't be necessarily completing this part of the wrap plan now. Uh, so for your home exercise, though, you should complete... Uh, the academic crisis planning page. So that's page eight. And if you had kind of slacked off on completing any of the other sections, now would be a good time to wrap them up and then get the page, uh, what is that, page 10 signed. You know, note the people that have helped you. Uh, I guess you can note me if you want. Uh, I will not be able to witness you signing it, unfortunately. Um, so I hope this has helped. Uh, so that is your home exercise is to kind of finish doing this document. You don't have to do the post-crisis planning. If you haven't experienced a crisis yet, those are for the, you know, in the immediate aftermath and then, you know, a little bit beyond that when you're ready to sort of resume responsibilities. Um, so I'll be looking at that myself in uh, another week or two, hopefully. Um, but I uh, hope you have enjoyed this. I have really, again, gained for myself some perspective on uh, what it's like to complete a rap plan. And I'm really excited that this series will sort of be on the Internet forever uh, as a way to kind of give people a quick, you know, if you add all these episodes together, it is, uh, you know, maybe three hours worth of listening to kind of get through this document. And as we, you may have noticed by now, it's not an easy thing to do, especially just in one city. You can't just sit down and bang this shit out. You know, you need to think about yourself. You need to get input from other people. Um, it's sort of a, uh, you know, a thoughtful document. So I hope you had that approach. I hope you got something out of this in terms of value. If you hated this series, you know, let me know. Uh, and I won't do shit like this again. Um, but I will be returning to some of the uh, more typical 
types of things we'll be doing next week. I actually have no idea what I'll be talking about next week, but uh, I'll be back, and uh, hopefully you will too, and uh, bring your friends along. Have a great week, everybody. Peace.